Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience. Today's episode, Gary goes on the Raising the Bar podcast with Ali Webb to drop some great gems, some great wisdom, how to know yourself, how to bring positivity to the world, and how to politely not care about other people's opinions of you. Enjoy the episode. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah, you're right. I feel like all of our interactions together have been either we've been being interviewed. I don't know if you remember, but our first interview together was at the, is that Good Morning America? I remember being like, oh shit, I'm going to have to like go, I have to go toe to toe with this guy. He, (laughs) he talks a lot. And I was like, and he, but it was awesome what you had to say, but I was like, shit, start interrupting him because he's going to take the show. (laughs) And that's my first you know, and then I, I, I had you do. How'd I you did. Do? I did. She was great. Should, I remember it. She was we great. We should find the clip because yeah, we can, you're like, Oh, we have to talk. And I felt like an intense pressure because he was like on a roll saying all this smart shit. And I was like, fuck, I got to start saying smart stuff. I got to interrupt him. And <laughs> so that was the beginning. But you know, it's funny. I remember, you know, it's one of those things you remember what you feel, but not every detail of the words. The reason I said we should get together is I'm in those settings a lot. Yeah, you're right. I, feel good about my craft. If I'm talking about what I know, it's going to roll. It's going to be sharp, strong, historically true, and very current. And oftentimes that takes up too much oxygen. And I remember, and when I saw it, I remember this feeling vividly. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Be thoughtful here because she's got juice too. Mm. And I remember thinking that actually. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I remember it vividly because I really liked what you were saying too. It was very strong, which is, you know, I'm a tough filter. I really... <laughs> Don't think most people are not only great, first of all, you actually executed, which always wins me over, right? It wasn't like you were a professor. I love professors, but you had already actually executed. The first thing you said, I don't remember at at all, but I remember how it felt, was strong. And I remember that very vividly, actually. Those were the early days when you and I first became buddies and it felt, yeah, I mean, it was, it was good. It was good for me, you know, cause I felt really challenged and I felt like I have to like raise the bar on myself, you know, which is so much of like, I feel like what you're about. And every time, you know, even like I have a 14 and 16 year old son and they listen to you a lot, you know, and it's really awesome what you've done. And, and I mean, I feel like if I catch, if I'm scrolling Instagram and I catch one of your things, like I always stop and listen. So it's an honor to have you on the show. And Big honor. Yeah. I mean, even for me too, just to add my two cents to that, I've been listening to you, uh, I don't, it feels like forever, I guess maybe eight years or so. I remember you in my ears at the YMCA and that would have been like eight or 10 years ago or something. Even I was just, as I was thinking about jumping into this call, thinking about what I, what do I really appreciate about you? And it's, there's the expertise, there's the freshness, but really what you've, what you've done is take a stand to speak, I think, both liberating and convicting truth to an upcoming generation that most people gave up on. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to give up on like the millennial generation, but really you've spoken right to them saying, hey, the entitlement's going to kill you. And the, the, short-term, the short-term aim is going to kill you. Be patient, care about people more, respect yourself enough to be honest with your parents, go take a stand. I mean, all the themes of which you know, are really you and how you've lived have really made such a difference. So thank you for that. I mean, your commitment, it's, it's been really rare. Thank you. I really am living it. I, there's nobody on earth that you remotely know more than yourself. Yeah. It's not even close. Right, right. Not even close. Not your mother, your lover, your best friend, your sister, your brother. The Delta's enormous. It's actually enormous. You know everything about yourself. You might want to be delusional and trick yourself, but you know. And there's a lot you don't know even with the people you're closest to. That's just actually the way it is. I know exactly what I'm up to. I am desperate for the 
scratching of the curiosity of how much positive impact can I have? You say things that people are usually afraid to say, you know, like, I feel like I have a lot of opinions and I have, but I filter myself a lot because I, you know, and maybe for me, it's like, I'm running this big business that is, you know, I mean, listen, if I, around election time, if I ever say how I feel or what I think inevitably, like I posted something recently from Joel Olstein, who I think he's a pretty rad dude. I like him. I posted. And a lot of people were like, I can't believe you support this guy. I'm unfollowing you, which is like, whatever. I don't fucking care. You can unfollow me. But I'm like, here's the, that's the thing. I'm like, fuck, I have to be so, I, I live in this, like walk the line yeah, everyone's, of fear. Everyone's- And it's like, we live in this cancel culture where everyone's so fucking mad about fucking everything. And it's like, you seem to like rise above that. And I guess, you know, you don't care. I'm really excited because I'm going to give you a really good interview. I can feel it already. (laughs) I talk a lot about not caring. In the macro, I do not. What I mean by I don't care is I know that if somebody is spewing venom at me on my page, I'm emotionally aware enough to know, oh crap, that person's in a tough spot. I don't have time to consume content of people I admire and enjoy. The thought of taking time to consume something of someone I don't, and then have to spend the energy to think of something to write to hurt that person. Yeah. Life is very basic. How you feel about yourself is how you are gonna come to the table on how you're gonna treat the other person. It's just true. Adrian says the same thing. It's like every now and again, we get some haters on our pages and it's like, and your first response is like, that person must be really unhappy. You know, it's like that person is dealing with something. And I do two things at the same time, Adrian. I definitely do that. I'm like, what would make someone to go that deep? If it's not constructive criticism, I get some great stuff. Hey Gary, the audio's too loud. Or like, hey, I really disagree with you on this point because now I'm like, ooh, this is good. No, I mean like, you're a piece of shit. Or yeah, or right, you only care about yourself. Or like, you know, coming at it. Or like somebody yesterday, you're just full of unbelievable amounts of hot air. And I'm like, cool. But like, it, it's how I feel about you, Ali. One, again, b- back to that moment. I'm on probably like my fifth substantially successful business from either scratch or the one business my dad had small to huge, right? Which was the hardest of them all because it's family dynamic. This is not luck at this point. Like all the excuses of what I've done, you're going right. to lose yeah. when you're going to go that route with me. And so that becomes like straight need to tear someone else down. Now, at the same token, when I go into compassion, which is what I would say when I see that, I go into compassion mode. I also do a very weird thing. I go, literally, I can feel myself doing it right now. Do not get high on your own supply. What I mean by that is I am so scared to get subconsciously sold out. What I do extremely well is when I get tremendous accolades, I swear to God, I do something very weird. I go into don't listen to it. Because if you hear the cheering, you become susceptible to the booing. I think a lot about this with beauty. If you grow up and somebody says to you, you're pretty, you're pretty, that seventh grader, that right? You're pretty, you're pretty, you're pretty, you're pretty, you're pretty. You're going to be in trouble when you're older, where your now identity is based on your pretty. Well, listen, I think about this a lot, or you're good at school and then school just gets taken away from you and now it's real life and you don't have that. Business was great for me. You're good at business. You're big. That became my validation. Well, uh-oh, this is forever. So I'm still in my bubble. I'm never getting quote unquote older. I'm never leaving school. So the thought of like academics, looks, sports, because only 1% of 1% of 1% gets to the final place. But business affirmation, this is my great luck. Look, look at this. 
Look at these goosebumps. I don't know if you guys see them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you do. (laughs) My place of validation was, oh, you suck at all these things. You're cute, but you're not overly like every girl's dying. You're decent at sports, but you're not going to the (laughs) league. You're terrible at school. So now my only validation is who I became. I only had validation as a child for two things, like crazy validation, like like the big stuff. One, I was crazy good at business. Crazy good. Lemonade stand, garage sales, baseball cards. I was doing crazy ass shit. Making a hundred bucks at nine is crazy in 19 fucking 84. And number two, big validation on, this is so funny. I've never said this this way. I was nice. I was nice as fuck. I was nice to every kid that got picked on. I was there. Everybody, like I was inclusive. I like stood up for people. And so who am I at 45 years old now? I'm a businessman who pushes nice. No, it's so true. I mean, gosh, it's like, there's so much of what you're saying that resonates with me. I mean, I think that I have fallen into that trap too of like, you're right. Whenever I get introduced and I'm speaking at something and they play this video and they say all this stuff and I'm like, and then you're right. And then I'm so susceptible when someone doesn't like me or someone recently, someone like went on a rant on my Instagram about how I'm so full of shit. I'm so inauthentic. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm not inauthentic. What are you talking about? I'm not inauthentic at all. I'm actually like overly authentic. What the fuck? And, you know, found myself like going, letting myself go down this rabbit hole. But because I'm so accustomed to like the 10 years of accolade I've been given, you know, from dry bar. It's why student, it's why a student struggle in life, constant affirmation on this game. Then the game gets pulled from underneath them. And I was a shitty student. I didn't go to college. I barely made it through high school, you know? And so it was like the the fucking bar was so low. Then life was so awesome for you because it was like, that's why entrepreneurship worked for you. (laughs) Same for me. I'm in a really big place in my life where I'm like, I know I mean nothing in the universe. And And I wake up every day trying to be the most important human on earth. I swear to God, it is such a crazy fucking thing. And this is back to me and my feelings. I'm in this point in my life where I'm like, okay, fuck, man. Like, shit's going to get wild these next 30 years. Like, everyone on earth is going to know who I am at 75. This is a huge responsibility, comma, why? Right now, my running thesis is what I just said to you. My awareness of my complete non-importance. Because if I die tomorrow, I know exactly what will happen. My inner circle will be devastated. I'm such the glue to my family and like my inner circle. Uh, the next circle, my companies and things that crushed, right? Because financial stability and just enjoyment. The next circle, lightweight friends, acquaintances, really disturbed. Allie, right? You, Andrew, like, oh, that's like, that. fuck that. That sucks. I'll get the little photo of me and Allie doing a podcast. This photo right now, this moment, and you'll be like, this is a real loss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we just interviewed but him. 29 yeah. hours later, 99.9999999999999% of the world goes right back to their life, right? Sure. So that's huge. It's a huge perspective because it's why people that know me the best talk about humility, whereas people who just see me on Instagram peacocking around something are like, what? That's the last word I think of that fucking guy with. But on the flip side, every day I'm like, fuck, my parents had sex at the right exact moment. My life circumstances with Russia and America immigrant, internet, all happened for me at the right time for me. And I have a communication style that is so unique. For some reason, I can change the world. I can make November 14th an American holiday that I, when I die in 45 years, my birthday can be, which makes no sense because right now I'm a businessman. And to do that, you have to be a social 
a political, you have to be so, but I'm like, so, and I, what? And so I'm so in that place. Do you know how insanely polar opposite that is? That is pulling from such extreme directions. That is my actual makeup. It seems polar. I don't know that it is. Is that at least for you, that's the only way it could work. Because if you were going to go be an egomaniac, you would actually hate yourself. If I was who the people that most disliked me wanted me to be, Sure. The amount of access I give to people, I have unlimited film teams follow me all the time. There's 75 people that have my email. 40 people on my team that I don't even know for more than three months have access to my Instagram and my accounts. Like I figured out that my good behavior allowed me to create scale. The reason a lot of people don't scale is they're worried about the skeleton. Well, and I also think it's important to like talk about what you were saying about being nice. You know, it's like there's so many assholes out there. Right. They don't want to build a personal brand or go all the way there because they know if they get too big, there's a tipping point and then everyone's going to try to tear them down because that's what America does. That's what humans build up, tear down. And I feel like I have lots of friends who work in companies and they're like, you know, their boss is like famous founders who like their boss is such an asshole, you know? And I'm like, it's just, yeah, God, it's like, be nice. All like, I feel like I've tried, you know, I mean, I definitely have my moments, but I feel like being nice is like, you know, if, if you can do nothing else, you know, that that is, that is something that gets you so far. The reason I've been able to win is because when bad things happen, I'm in my most calm. This, and this is something I want to talk about because you just brought up something because yeah. I love your spirit, Ali, and I just listened to you carefully. And when you said, I have my moments and with my intuitive chemicals, I go, right. She and many other nice people have those moments because it's the high intense moment, right? Like something bad happens. My, my dad did this quite a bit. And my dad's on the other side of this. He would get stressed and it would formulate in a tornado of everyone around him. And I became very visceral to it. I think I naturally would have been this, but I think my dad's reverse style to me, where I saw the carnage of anxiety manifesting in bad behavior to communication to the people around them, I think I became even a more extreme version of what I probably would have naturally been had I not been in my dad's business and watched it. Because I became visceral to that. I, I was the yang, I was like, fuck that, I hate this. Dad, you're not being nice. It really bothered me. But I realized over time, years later, as I got older, I'm like, oh, my dad was scared. I'm not scared. Why am I not scared? Oh, weird. I actually don't care about money. Oh, weird. I actually don't care about nice things. I don't Mm -hmm. need shit. I don't need a car. I don't need a Rolex. I don't care what fucking anybody thinks about what house or apartment I have. Oh, I have the shitty apartment. Oh, I have the not as good car. Oh, I like somebody else flies private. I fly commercially. And so once I started understanding, I'm like, oh, right. I'm in business, people get most anxious when their money could be affected. Go out of business, make less money, lost money. I always reacted by being the bigger man. That was the time when I could be the biggest mentor to my people. They just did something bad, we lost money. They think I'm gonna kill them. I walk in and I love them. Oh my God, now we're family. And that has been my foundation. That's why people stay with me for such a long time. That's why I have so much continuity in my company that, that don't usually have continuity. Liquor stores, agencies, these are turn and burns. And I have sevens, nines, twelves because of how I treat them. This is very difficult to say because COVID was so devastating. COVID comes and there's that like fourth day in when you're like, oh, this is bad. Yeah, this, this, this is, is not, not just only the news. Not the news. This, is like- this is not going to be two weeks. Remember that? I, yeah. When I heard yeah. the first day, two weeks, I'm like, fuck. When I, was, when I was four days in, I'm like, oh, this could be a while. And then about a month in, you're like, oh, this could be the rest of the year. And it's more than that. Oh now, now we're into April the next year. Anyway, nonetheless, I remember having this huge sense of calm as my CFO started telling me the carnage 
of all the phone calls from our clients saying they're going to need an extra 100 days, 200 days, 150 days to pay, how overextended we are, where we are in this, where we're on that, leases, and then the kicker, we're getting nothing because we fall in the middle. And so we're getting no government support. When I tell you that soared through my chest, landed in the following way, literally, I remember it like four seconds ago, it was in my parents' house. Huh, I've been talking a lot about being a wartime general and being the captain during rough seas. This is gonna be fun. This is it. And I (laughs) fucking drilled it. I will for many, you know, I don't think the time of like how well you navigate the business during COVID, I don't think it's the right time to talk about that with how much pain there still is. But in 12 years, I'll absolutely talk about details because I'll feel, you know, we'll be more removed. It'll just be the way wounds work. And there'll be a lot of lessons to share because, and I've been prepared for it my whole life because I'm a wartime general. Mm -hmm. I tell my managers and my leaders, and this is the number one thing I think about. People are like, oh, Gary, why are you so upset with me? This is only the first time I've acted like this to my team. I'm like, John, it's the first time there was any pressure. You've been here for six months. It's been fucking smooth sailing. Too many people are peacetime generals. Everyone's a hero. BJ Armstrong's really good at basketball when he has Michael Jordan with him. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do to keep yourself from like being, you know, I mean, I understand the whole not caring about money in the traditional sense. That was a big one. I mean, that was a big one. I'm being serious, Sally. This is why it's really important. Okay, first, please God, everybody be healthy. I'm scared. I navigate the next six months and triple our business, but my mom dies of COVID. Am I happy? Get the fuck out of here, I'm dead. So if you go first to what you actually care about, perspective. Mm-hmm. Second, to your point, I was like, look, like if it goes to zero, I'll start again. Like, I'm not kidding. I, like, like I don't, you know, I don't know what to tell you. That's so funny because that's what, that's exactly what I used to tell people when we were starting Dry Bar and I would get interviewed and people were like, are you, you know, were you scared? This doesn't work. I was like, well, no one's going to die. It was, I mean, I've been, I've been quoted a million times saying this. Nobody's going to die. We're all going to lose some money. And then we're pretty smart people. We'll find other shit to do. <laughs> that was, you know, I was like, no. So there wasn't a lot of fear for me in losing the money. I guess it's similar to what you're saying. It was like, just nobody's going to die. You know, it's like there, the, the worst case scenario is not death here. The worst case scenario is like we're, we start all over again. So I can totally relate to that. My, my question would be, Gary, is you, because you seem like, you know, that moment is made for you. You made yourself for that moment. That's probably both true. You know, you've, you've decided to be a wartime general. Maybe you're, you're, you know, part of its nature, but it's a lot nurture and hyper commitment. For you, as the founder and the CEO and the leader that everybody looks to, and they tell me about how you scale that behavior, but even deeper scale that belief system inside the hearts and minds of your leadership, especially when those that are in that moment losing their shit and their worst colors are showing. How do you intervene and then program in coaching and firing? You have to be willing to cut loose with people who are too far along into their DNA that no matter how much you go in, you're not able to give enough therapy, coaching, long leash. I'm in a very tough spot because I speak about these things quite a bit. I have people in my company who I'm still trying to coach up, but they also are creating the vulnerability of me being a hypocrite. I know right now that somebody's in a meeting with somebody I'm still coaching that's a major leader, that that leader's doing something completely against my principles. How long do you let it roll? I let it roll differently based on every best. Yeah, that, this is what's tough about, inter- you know, because I do an interview like this. I'm desperately here for one reason. How can one person listening to this epic podcast that either A, knows me or doesn't know me, but hears something in a certain way that triggers, because this is how we all live. Someone says something, it changes your perspective. You go taste it and you're like, oh, I love oysters. I never thought I liked oysters. They're the best. And so that's what I'm trying to do right now. And 
And I hate this question, not hate, I struggle with it because it's custom. It's every single person you see, do you see, you know what happens, right, Ali, I saw your reaction. You're coaching, someone's moving along and you're like, oh fuck, we made the turn. And then they do the fucking same thing and you're like, ugh. You know. I'm such a like higher, slow, fire, fast, you know, and it, it ha- happened to me so many times over the course of dry bar where I'm like, nope, you guys, no, this person doesn't get it. They're never going to get it. It's never going to happen. And they want to like spend all this time. And I'm like, it's never going to fucking happen. They don't get it, you know? And I'm a higher fast when you're in hyper growth, fire faster and promote fastest. By the way, for everybody, Al and I have had the luxury of being in hyper growth companies. So this is not for everybody. Like we hire 30 people a week right now. There is no other version besides hire fast. I feel like that's true. I just like literally hired a girl last, this past week who I had like a phone interview with and I really liked her and I hired her and I was like, wait, I don't hire slow. I hired her like off of a recommendation of his cousin, but I also just don't have time for it. If it's not fucking working, I cannot stand it. Like go. You're also creating vulnerabilities. I've had a tough firings in the last year and they shit on you and fuck you and fuck this. And you were the worst. And you know, it goes from you were their best friend a week ago to you're the worst and they start making shit up. And it's devastating as a human. I fucking hate it. My, you're, you, ready, you ready to really be blown away? Let me go vulnerable. My greatest weakness over the last 25 years as an operator and CEO and leader of companies, which I've been every day of my life since I've been a professional, is candor. How about that bomb? Because Gary V, the person that puts out content to the world, best candor guy going. It's straight, no bullshit, right? You said it earlier, Ali. But in my companies, I hate negativity so much and I feel like I'm their dad and leader or brother. I've really struggled with it. And it took me a long time to get to where I am now, which, oh, by the way, I still think it's my disproportionate weakest trait. And what I would do is I would try to coach up on offense, use practical optimism instead of candor. And once in a while that would work, but I've become different and I'm working on it and it's helped me a lot. It's also why I believe in accountability, humility, because I know these ingredients really matter. So just talk about that. Cause that's like a, I know you don't want to be pops, right? You don't want to be the Frank under stress. That was huge. I came to realize that right. to be very, very naked here. My father is great at candor. It's a strength. The problem is he delivered it with such venom that I was unable, maybe because I started seeing it at 14, so I was so young in my development, that my intuition, and more than intuition for this audience, is that I was unable to unpack the vessel that was delivering the candor from the value of candor, and I demonized the whole thing, and I'm only unpacking that now, and it's crazy because I'm so good at it because on, on stage, I'm talking to the world. I'm talking to the world, and I'll tell you where I get destroyed. This is Sally. Her husband has cancer. He's the provider. I get, I get destroyed on this one. This is Rick. He's 187,000 in debt in college. I know it. And then there was early in my career, it was ego. This guy who makes eight bucks an hour as a stock boy will never get a better job for somebody who likes him more, takes care of him more than me. So when I fire him and he goes to shop right, it's going to be worse. And I don't want that for him. I got to figure it out. It was ego. Now it's compassion heart right? It's, I know too much. I'm so deep in my shit and my culture. I know too much. I know what's going on in their family life. I know stuff. And that's very, very, very hard. Because it seems like I hear that, that, okay, I don't because an empathetic reason. And I get it. And I, and I buy it, by the way. I buy that, that that's true for you. It just seems like historically has been like this either or. Either 
I'm, you know, if I'm honest, I'm a dick or I'm a, I love you, for you know, or By the I way, like, I'm you loving. You got this right. And it's a game of and, not or. In this vulnerability that I had in my 25 years of leadership, I didn't, I didn't have it as the and. Everywhere else I do, that's why I'm winning. Everywhere else it. I'm It's gray. a paradox. It's both, black and white. Here I was black and white, couldn't unravel it, just started unraveling over the last five years slowly, but that's even a little bit of bullshit because five years ago, I probably moved it from zero to 5%, but at least I started. In the last year and a half, it's really moved. Call my strengths 90s, call this one literally a 10 five years ago that moved to 20, but in the last 18 months has moved from 30 to 67. And by the way, it's probably why I'm ready to talk about it, right? It's not like I was interested in hiding it. I actually am happy that I can talk about this now because I want to talk more about vulnerabilities. It's that I didn't see it. It also really relies on humility. Early in my career was ego. And later in my career, it was ego. And ego is something, you know, pe- people confuse confidence with ego a lot. Ego, ego is insecurity. Confidence is not. Ego is just insecurity with makeup on to peacock. I was sad, scared for them and for the ramifications of how I would put my head on my pillow. I lived for my head on my pillow. It took me time to understand the real answer, which is even if something atrocious is going on in someone's home, once I've made the binary decision that they are traumatically incapable of doing their, their job here, they've been undermined. So they're not, nothing good is happening. Cause you're keeping them for the wrong reasons. Correct. Now I try to be very graceful. You know, you can do nice packages, you can do nice things and then people have to do their thing. And so, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. My, my experience is being like, an, I, I call them like the nice guys and you know, I coach execs for a living. And so like a handful of guys I work with are like nice guys where it's like they, they're long on like the empathetic, helpful, you know, really play the heart game, which is awesome. There's always somewhere in their universe where they're holding back and they're doing it for good reason, right? And the, the challenge with, well, what's available for nice guys is two things. One is they've, there's so much trust. You don't have to say much. They really love you. They really trust you. All you've got to do is say, hey, Tom, I'm really having a hard time because the results are disappointing to me. I don't know what to do about that. And that works. That'll flip Tom in a second. And also, it's like usually my experience is nice guys become can flip because they don't get to the conversation soon enough. So it's it's about should I fire them or not? It wasn't about should I coach them in this moment. I couldn't agree with what you just said more, comma. My great job as a CEO of my companies is to eliminate fear. And I do it in so many goddamn ways. I put myself out front as a persona, which means I get all the heat. And I mean all of it. I internally take on incredible amounts of accountability. I'm also the disproportionate force of growth. I'm a nice person. I do a lot of things. When I got to that place two years ago where I was like, fuck me. This candor thing means that a lot of people don't know where they stand because they get stunned by the hire and that is creating massive fear. Ugh, I wanted to jump out the fucking window on hot steaks with fucking duty on them. And so it's been a great, it's been great. You know, like it's been great. It will still happen. It will still rear its head. I've created a much bigger, we call it kind candor at Vayner now. Cause I think people use candor as an excuse to not be nice. 
Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going to give it to you straight. And then you're like, fuck, what's coming? I'm going to give it to you straight. You fucking suck. You know, no, 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 no. There's a different way to do this. So anyway, nonetheless, I'm glad we got into that part. I want to touch on anything else you wanted to get to in these last 10 minutes. Well, it's cool. I mean, just this is this is the way we talk about it. It's this paradox between diplomatic and frank, right? So what you want to be is both. It's a both and world. Tell the truth and in a way that works for other people. But that's a commitment question. I mean, you live that commitment. You care about people. I think about all the time. I think about, because I've got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, like celebrating the shit out of when they do something that's beautiful because of the stories you've told about when you'd hold the door open and your mom would go nuts. I really... I really think about that. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for even knowing that story. Thank you for picking up on that. And it is my number one. Reinforce. Going four for four in a baseball game is fun to cheer. Being drop dead cute in your outfit when you're 11 years old is a thing is nice. But make sure that the majority of the cheering is around things that look like you were nice to that person that's in their knee. My son showed so it's good, right, Al? Like, when my son shows a lot of empathetic, you know, things, goes and hugs the kid who had a bad day at baseball, I, I basically am treating him like he won the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, you know, I mean, something like that just happened with me this past weekend. My almost 14-year-old son was with my in-laws, and they, I saw them later in the day, and they said, you know, I have to tell you that, you know, when we spoke to Kit, he looked us in the eyes. And I remember he didn't, he never used to look us in the eyes when he talked to him. They praised him for it. They're like, man, Kit, you're so engaged. It's so nice to talk to you. You really look us in the eyes and you didn't used to do that. And he said, it was my mom. My mom would say, you got to look people in the eyes. You got to like connect with people. You can't, it's rude. It's disrespectful to talk to somebody and not look them in the eyes. And he credited me for saying that to my in-laws. And I almost, I mean, it makes me tear up thinking about it because I almost fell on the ground. I was like, I I remember talking to him about that a lot when he was little and the fact that it, like it stuck and that was something that I praised him for is those things and my kids are the kids who hug the kid that fell down. I, I imagine it's it's cel- it's because of celebrating those things. But while we're here we're doing a little parent life, let me get into something that <laughs> is a real concern of mine. And back to where Gary V does a good job and where Gary Vaynerchuk is doing a much better job with VaynerX the last 3 years versus 6 years ago. If we do not celebrate accountability our kids will be disasters. So mm-hmm. praise the bully thing, but when they are in this excuse life or when they're complaining about the machine and the answer isn't, what are you gonna do about it? We have allowed an entire culture of people to be in the excuse and dwelling and everything is some macro so government, true. parents, society, business. It's this, the. We blame boom. game. It is everything else. else but themselves. Now, here's an important thing here. It might be true. There might be incredible validity to one's point because it's a both game. You could be right that you were born on the wrong side of tracks. You could be right that Coca-Cola is doing that. A big thing that happens next, to me, I'm like, you're right. Now what? Because the thing that scares me is we have gotten to a place because of the way humans communicate in society where, for example, parents blame social media for their kids being insecure, not the fact that they're not parenting their kid, right? We've gotten to a place where somebody feels that if they send out a tweet, they've done something about something, or that if they tear somebody else down and they noble shame them, but they don't realize the hypocrisy because they're doing something else, we are in a delusional state of non-accountability. Yeah, well, we, we see this. I mean, we're blending families now. So I've got the five and seven. She's got the 13 and 16. Even when my kids, when they go to their mom's house and they forgot, he forgot his switch. Well, I'm like, sorry, dude, I'm not bringing it over. And, and by the way, 
that's a tough one. I have a lot of compassion for you because you're saying that for parents that are listening that have easier situations of accountability and don't do it. Now I'm putting myself in your shoes. You're in a place where you're going through, you know, your his parents are, he's a little guy. His parents are divorced. That's a lot of heaviness to begin with. We demonize that when we shouldn't have, but that's our culture. Most parents are massively overcompensating on accountability. Sure. Yeah, that's where I fall. Well, we, yeah, we talk about it a lot. Yeah. This is yeah. a big conversation in this house. I yeah. want to save my children all the time and do everything for them. And I, Adrian has really helped me see that and be like, oh shit, yes. let them yes. do it. Adrian, you know, keep pushing. I, I tell Ali, if you give the boys, if you give the boys enough space, they'll become it's men. It's so real, guys. Please hear us right now. God, tap into this phone line right now, please. <laughs> we are making a mistake around accountability. Eighth place trophies have destroyed happiness. Yes, I was just thinking trophies. You read my mind. I was like, where, where did it change that like every kid gets a fucking trophy if they didn't win? I'm like, I don't want to play in that league, you know? Sports helped us so much. I cried. Yes. From eight yes. to 16, I cried once a week because I lost in something. It is the foundation of my happiness. I just said on an interview for the first time, and I don't think I ever said this publicly, but like I, in high school, tried out for cheerleading every year and I wanted it so fucking bad. I just had this idea. I wanted to be a cheerleader. I loved the outfit. I loved the, the you know, the like, it was the status. And I never fucking made it. Not, I tried out every year and I never made it. And, it. and I never like talked about it, but it crushed me. And it made me feel like shitty. Like I wasn't good enough for years, but probably really helped me. It's awesome. Because it's real life. When you're 31, your mommy's not coming over and buying you a pony because you didn't make the cheerleading team. Guys, we have an entire generation of mid-20s to early 30-year-olds whose parents are paying for their lives still. Yeah. It's bad. Because then then those parents are in control. Then when the kids and parents are having discussions and the kid's 27 and they want to do something, the parent has the money hanging over it. Nobody says it in the argument. But everybody knows the score which is if you don't listen to your mommy and daddy, they're gonna pull the cash and you and then you can't have the BMW and the Equinox membership. It's all this bull fucking yep. shit. Stand on your own two feet and be happy. Well, it's the loss of the individual. I mean, we, I, I, had a, I had a huge VC firm out here call me and say, hey, will you do diversity and inclusion training? Which I, don't, I never do stuff like that. It's, it's, I don't actually agree with most of what's happening these days. And I said, why don't we have a leadership conversation about how everybody takes themselves responsible about how we treat one another. Now, there's a lot to be learned about XYZ, but it's, it's a leadership conversation. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with DNI only because it's a proxy to the thing that you later, laddered it up to. Like, wh- where are we on our humanity towards? And by the way, there's another thing. This goes back to insecurity. Why? Can I ask you this, everyone who's listening and obviously the three of us? Why do you need to convince people to see the world exactly like you? What is this going? What is this obsession? Right. With, uh, have so well said. On the record, I have conviction about every belief I have. It's in my soul. I believe I'm emotionally intelligent. I believe that I've lived a really extreme kind of like diverse life. I have deep, deep conviction. Some of them are by political standards on this side. Some are on that side. Some are nuanced. Some are by religious standards on this side and that side. By culture side, this side, that side. I have zero interest in anybody doing what I do or believing what I believe in. I have enormous interest in believing my thing, not trying to do bad by anybody. And when we have a conversation where we don't agree, enjoy the discourse for thoughtfulness and evolution. But everyone's so insecure 
and wants everyone to believe what they believe. It's the safety of the crowd. It's the loss of the individualism, I think. It connects to the parenting conversation, connects to the cultural conversation. You know, people being convicted about something for themselves versus hiding in the crowd. That's what I'm usually after. Con- conviction and convincing. But, but listen, 50% are going to agree with you anyway. That's plenty. That's 150 million Americans. Good news, everyone. 150 million <laughs> Americans agree. Yeah. yeah, it's such a good point. It's like, I want people to agree with me all the time, but why? Like, it doesn't really fucking matter. You know, I want people to see things the way I see things, but why? We've gotten into a place where the world politically, for sure, which is really what we're referencing, has gotten into straight childish behavior. We are in complete, this is yes. back to civility. We don't even know. We're just in like literally, like we're in such bad behavior, we've made it us against them. And that is devastating. Mm -hmm. Listen, fear is an incredibly big, Star Wars nailed this. The dark side and the Jedis are awfully close. That's why even the bad guys sometimes win and the good guy dies. They're damn close. But fuck, there's nothing I believe in more than that the good and the love wins in the end. By an X sometimes or by a mile. It all just depends on what era you're born in in the world. I'll leave with this and I obviously have gone over, but I'm just having too much fun with you two. The notion of you find what you're looking for. We now are in a place where people are spending all their time looking for bad. I can go on the internet or on mainstream media or outside right now and in an hour find an ungodly amount of bad. I can also easily, oh, by the way, on the record, easier find a stunning amount of good. I needed to hear all this. This was really good. And I think a lot of people will feel that way because I think I tend to go towards that too, where I can easily find the bad. Like even on my own, you know, personal platform, like I, you know, I'm sure you heard speaking of the bad, you know, there was this shooting yesterday of this young kid and, you know, and this whole thing. And I'm like, oh, and then I was like, I don't want to fucking post anything today because I don't want to be like disrespectful to the fact that this bad thing happened. And I don't want to be like, you know, talking about the good things that are happening in my life. But I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Ali, Ali, there are millions of people in the world, millions that have to go hours to get somewhat clean water. Do not have clean water. In the world right now, there's genocide. We are animals. You know how you like step on a bug by accident? There are things that are gonna happen. How we choose to treat each other as a reflection of what's going on in ourselves is the most interesting conversation. If we can be generous to ourselves, forgiving of ourselves, get back up, go again. I mean, living in the living in the now what? Cheers. Thank you so much for yeah. your time, Gary. Yep, love your legacy, man. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. As we end today's podcast, I want to give a huge shout out to the people. You know, it's so funny. People that leave reviews and written reviews of this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms just mean the world to me. You've taken an extra 13 to 95 seconds to show love and also give context to people of why this is a worthwhile podcast. So I appreciate that so much. And even more fun, because uh, I think we all love a little cosign or a shout out or a little awareness. Uh, I'm gonna have the team give a couple of shout outs uh, daily on uh, our favorite reviews. So take it away, which were our favorites this week? Thanks Gary. Today's amazing five-star review comes from Spalding's mom and it reads, what I love most about the VFriends project is the impact it will have on the world and young people over time. My educator heart is glowing with love and gratefulness for Gary and the mission. I'm watching my grandson now in this digital world and I've spent my fair share on V-Bucks for skins on Fortnite. Now because of you, I'm learning about cryptocurrency, NFTs, their relationship with pop culture, smart contracts, and how these things will be as common as credit cards. Thank you for being a positive force and leading the way with authenticity. Love listening to you every day. Thank you for that awesome review. And to anybody listening out there, if you leave us a review, you might just get shouted out in the next episode.